Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to up episode number 182B of the Neutral Corner. This is the preview portion of episode number 182 of TNC for the week of August 10th. And uh, if you're watching live on YouTube right now, I look a little beat up because uh, I just got out of the dentist. I was there for about three and a half hours. I had two cavities on my left side and I had a crown on my right side. So I, ha- I got six shots and half my face is still numb my lip uh they had to put one shot like in my um (laughs) in my jaw it man it's killing me so uh i cracked a tooth and of course i I couldn't crack a small one in the front of my mouth i cracked one of the molars in the back uh the, the second to last one on the lower right side they think it might be from boxing from you know biting down on a shitty mouthpiece they don't know for sure guys if you're going to do sparring, if you're going to do any kind of sports where there's contact, you know, football, whatever, and you get a mouth guard, spend the extra money and get the one with the gel that you can shape and form to your teeth that you boil in water. It's worth it. It's what I use now, but for years I used the old school shitty mouth guards that are really, really not that good for your teeth. Anyway, public service announcement for this episode. I'm your host of the show, Michael Montero for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And of course, we did the review portion of the show Monday night. Now we're going to do the preview portion. We don't have a whole lot going on uh, this weekend as far as action goes, but I'll get to that in a second. We do have some news and notes. So let me go ahead and get started with that. Before I do that, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and crack a beer because I have a headache. My jaw hurts. My teeth hurt. I'm going to go ahead and enjoy an adult beverage right now. Salute, guys. I'll try not to drool that all over myself with my numb face. All right, so let's start with ratings. The Kabnachi Ariola fight that headlined that PBC on Fox card last week peaked at 1.77 million viewers. The entire card Average 1.3 million viewers. Now, this was slightly down, believe it or not, from Kovnachi's last fight against Gerald Washington, which did 1.9 million. But that was in January. Generally speaking, sports broadcasts do better in the winter. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't leave, I wouldn't read too much into that. I think a summer rating, you got to think about the very end of July, 1.77 million. That's a pretty good rating, man. That's a really, really good rating. And it was a good fight. I think Chris Ariola probably bought, brought a lot of the viewers with the Mexican-American fan base, but Kavnachi did a great job, won a good, entertaining heavyweight scrap. That's going to build him up for his next fight. And, of course, eventually, Uncle Al and the WBC, they want to line him up for Deontay Wilder down the line next year. Okay, some more news. Uh, Golovkin, Derevyanchenko. I talked about that a little bit Monday. That has formally been ordered by the IBF. They have 30 days to negotiate that fight. 30-day negotiation period ends September 4th. They're probably going to make uh, a deal. I think they're going to come to a deal before the 4th because these guys have, you know, they didn't talk before, but Derevyanchenko has been lined up in terms of the IBF mandatory to fight Golovkin in the past. And then Canelo, he's hungry for that damn fight. I think it's uh, going to be agreed to by the end of this month, probably October 5th at Madison Square Garden. And look, style-wise, I think it's going to be a good middleweight scrap. And, you know, Steve Kim and Mario Lopez talked about this in their podcast this week. And guys, again, I apologize if I'm drooling. My mouth is numb. Seriously, my head is pounding and my mouth is numb. But 
We're not going to get Canelo Golovkin 3, obviously, this year. We should have the rubber match. That's what we should have got. It's what the zone wanted. It's still the biggest fight to be made in boxing. However, consolation prize. If we're going to get Golovkin Derevyanchenko, if Canelo ends up fighting Andre, that's kind of a mini middleweight tournament. And the winners of those two fights, they fight next May or something around Cinco de Mayo, dude, that's a pretty good consolation prize. Now, if Canelo keeps pulling this diva bullshit and wants to avoid Andre and avoid all the other middleweights and go fight Kovalev after he beats Yard, which I think he will, then we still have a muddled middleweight picture. I hope Canelo does the right thing. That remains to be seen. Canelo says... He's going to wait and see who wins the Kovalev yard fight and then make his decision. I think he needs to fight Demetrius Andrade. Uh, Charlo's out of the picture. He's with the PBC. They're not on the zone. You guys get it. But that four-man tournament I just talked about, that happens at the end of this year, you know, the fall, then the winter, early this year, late this year, and then the winners fight each other next year. Man, that's, that's a good little middleweight tournament there. I'm cool with that. One card that came together also at MSG, September 13th, matchroom card. I talked about this a little bit. Um, Haney Ab- Abdulayev. <laughs> I can't talk right now. My head's loopy. Abdulayev. Jesus. Haney is fighting Abdulayev. He's a Russian fighter. First fight outside Russia. Good quality, regional level amateur pedigree. All of his fights so far in Russia. Looks good on paper. Is he ready to step up and fight for his first time in the United States against one of the best prospects in boxing? I don't know. Is Haney ready for this? What appears to be a step up in opposition himself? I don't know. It's intriguing. Also on this card, Roman Akhmadaliev. That, I think, is going to be the fight that steals the show. Daniel Roman defending his unified titles now at 122 uh, against um, a fighter that I think uh, don't shoot the... I think it was born in Uzbekistan, but now fights in the USA. All of his fights have been in the USA. He's only had, I think, like six fights. Is he ready for Daniel Roman? I'm not sure. Daniel Roman looked a little uh, human in his last fight against Doheny, right? So uh, I think that fight's going to steal the show. But also, man, this heavyweight fight, Michael Hunter versus Sergey Kuzmin, that's an awesome fight. Michael Hunter's only lost once, and that was against Alexander Usyk. No shame in that. Kuzmin hasn't lost yet, although a lot of people felt that he got away with one in his last bout, where he won, I think, a split decision. And then a good female fight, Heather Hardy, 37 years old, going up against Amanda Serrano, 30 years old. I think that's going to be a fun female fight. And that's right there at MSG, and Serrano's from uh, New York area, so that's going to be fun. Also, Naoya Inoue Nonito Donaire is finalized for November 7th in Saitama, Japan. And Alexander Vozdek versus Artur Baturbiev is now official for October 18th on ESPN. And is going to be at the LaCour Center in Philadelphia. Man, Philadelphia has picked up some fights recently, huh? They've had a good little resurgence as of late. We're going to talk about a card they have this weekend here in a minute. And then, uh, of course, New York has made a huge comeback after really, really being slow for a few years. So the Northeast really is coming back. Um, guys, I'll get to some, well, you know what? Let's get to some questions right now before we preview what's coming up. Um, Azie just said Canelo is a diva. You know, I thought about this and one reason why I wanted to mention that matchroom card on September 13th, that is the weekend of Mexican Independence Day, right? Mexican Independence Day, I believe is Monday the 16th. 
I believe it's Monday the 16th. Anyway, no cards right now. No major cards that weekend on Saturday the 14th, which is would have been... Um, which would have been Canelo's date, right? And then they talked about possibly Jaime Munguia. But he's kind of pulling some diva shit. They had a fight scheduled for... Uh, Golden Boy Promotions had a fight scheduled for Ryan Garcia that weekend. He pulled some diva shit. So look, man. Canelo Alvarez, Jaime Munguia, and the, a Mexican-American, Ryan Garcia, pulling some diva shit and really doing a disservice to the Mexican and Mexican-American fans by not fighting on that weekend. The only thing fans have to look forward to is that matchroom card I talked about, which is a great card, mind you, great card. But it's Friday night instead of Saturday night, and there's no Mexicans on the card. No Mexicans, no Mexican-Americans on the card that I can see. Maybe uh, Eddie Hearn will throw one on there somehow. Oh, wait a second. What am I saying? Daniel Roman's on the card. Ah, Daniel Roman. He is going to benefit from being the only guy of Mexican heritage, Mexican descent, fighting on that weekend. It'd be better if he was fighting on the West Coast and it was on Saturday or something like that, but that's it, man. So Mexican-American fans looking for a Mexican-American fighter to cheer for on Mexican Independence Day weekend, you're going to have to do it Friday at MSG in New York City as Daniel Roman takes on Akhmadalayev. All right, so all right, question time. And again, for those of you who are just getting on here, I had a bunch of dental work today. I had a crown put in, a couple of fillings filled. So I had six shots put into my head. I'm very numb, although my jaw is killing me and my head's pounding. So if I'm talking and slurring a little crazy tonight, my speech is a little off, please do forgive me as I take another sip of my beer. How professional of me. All right, I haven't spilled a drop yet, so you got to give me that much credit. All right, let's check out some... uh... (laughs) Let's check out some questions from you guys here. Man, a bunch of you guys are on here. Kevin Frey's on here. Captain Hook Chronicles. Lace Hatcher. Survive is on here. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Dirk Diggler here. By the way, guys, go ahead and smash that like button while you're watching. Smash that like button. Let's see here. A couple of you guys are arguing, it looks like. Cody, what are you arguing about with these guys today? Avoid. Okay. Cody is taking issue with my comment about Canelo, quote-unquote, avoiding the middleweights by wanting to go up and fight Sergey Kovalev. And he says, because he wants to go up to a fourth division after beating the consensus top two middleweights. And he goes on and on about uh, Canelo. Look, Cody, I've defended Canelo when he deserved being defended. There's really no defending right now. He's being a diva, dude. He's the biggest diva in the sport. Now, I will follow by saying this. He's earned it. He's the top guy. He's the top dog. He's not just the top dog at Golden Boy Promotions. He's not just the top dog with the WBC. He's the top dog in all of boxing. So he dictates things. I get it. However, moving up two divisions to fight a guy stylistically made for him, which Kovalev is, especially at this age. And look, we still don't know how he's going to look against Anthony Yard. I, I favor Kovalev. But uh, he beat Eladir Alvarez in that rematch and looked outstanding. But let's not forget, Alvarez is an older fighter himself. Maybe he got old overnight. I don't know yet. It remains to be seen. Kovalev hasn't fought since then. He's going up against the young gun now in Anthony Yard, who hasn't done shit as a pro, but maybe Yard will show us something. I don't know. There's a lot that remains to be seen. Clearly, what what is best for boxing and best for the fans is for the best in each division to fight each other. I gave 
Mikey Garcia shit when he moved up to fight Errol Spence. I gave him credit. He's got balls. That's great. But it proved nothing. It did nothing but help build up Errol Spence's brand a little bit. The fight he should have took was Vasily Lomachenko at, at lightweight. That's the fight we needed, right? Canelo needs to fight the other top middleweights. That's what he needs to do. And if he won't fight Golovkin right now, he's forcing Golovkin, in a sense, to fight Derevyanchenko because they're going to fight for a, a, a vacant belt because Canelo just got stripped. Well, then the obvious choice is Demetrius Andrade, who's right there. So do I, am I saying he has to fight Andrade? Not necessarily, but I think it'd be better if he fought Andre than fighting Kovalev. If he, even if he beats Kovalev, is, is he going to stay at light heavyweight? It's a one-off. And you talked about a fourth division. Dude, don't count his title-winning effort at 168 as a real title. That was bullshit. He beat Rocky Fielding, man. Come on now. Use your logic, brother. Oh, CJ Duncan in the house with the super chat. Thank you so much, my brother. Says TNC on Thursday. I'm digging it. Cheers, Montero. Cheers to you, my man. Hope everything is going well for you. Cody says, Canelo is screwed by the WBC and IBF. Why would you begrudge him for not chasing belts he should already have? Dude, it sounds a lot like what the Golovkin fans were saying about Golovkin and the IBF a couple years back as it relates to Sergei Derevyanchenko. It's funny how things come around, right, bro? Uh, Even with the IBF as it relates to Daniel Jacobs cheating the rehydration clause. Dude, you can't pick or choose. You got to be consistent. All I'm saying is, I don't be, and don't bring up the WBC screwing over Canelo. They literally created a title so he wouldn't have to fight Charlo. By the way, I think Canelo not only beats Charlo, he knocks him out. Canelo dominates and knocks out Charlo. I'm saying that, but following by saying the WBC hooked him up with this franchise title bullshit so that they can keep Canelo happy so he wouldn't have to fight Charlo and they wouldn't have to strip him like the IBF did, but they can also keep Uncle Al happy because they do a ton of business with the PBC and Uncle Al and they're going to give Charlo that title and watch them do the same damn thing with Deontay Wilder pretty soon. So dude, come on, man. You need to be more consistent than that. Oh, we got another, another super chat from Komat Suda says, is Pac versus Spence this generation Holmes versus Ali? Well, first of all, Cole, thank you for watching from New Zealand. Thank you for the Super Chat pledge. Um, Pack versus Spence, I would not compare it to Holmes versus Ali. I understand in terms of name recognition, maybe, if that fight happened. But you got to look at it this way, dude. Ali was a former heavyweight champion. Well past his prime, damaged, I get it. Holmes was the new up-and-coming heavyweight, and they fought. Um, you can make an argument that in a sense, in a way, it's not exactly, so don't kill me, but the AJ Klitschko fight was a little closer to that in the sense that a former heavyweight great was fighting the new heir apparent. It's just, you know, AJ has fallen on hard, hard times since. That would be more like Holmes Ali. The difference with Pack and Spence is Pack is seriously right now, if he really wanted to, could make lightweight. He works out and bulks up. to. F- he could easier make 140. He could make 140 in his sleep right now. He bulks up to fight at 147. He's a natural lightweight that fights much bigger guys. And Spence is busting at the seams at 147. Will be at 154 in another year or so. So they're two... 
generationally, I get what you're saying with that comparison. Makes complete sense. And it could be just as brutal, but in terms of size, it's just it's just a different type of matchup. And I'll say this. Pacquiao, even though he's well-faded and still, I think, past his best days, he's still in way better shape than Muhammad Ali was in when Larry Holmes fought him, right? So uh, I get what you're going, I get where you're going with that comparison, but it's not exactly comparable to me. Um, Cody says Canelo deserves to be the franchise champion. <laughs> Dude, Cody, is this, are you, Canelo, are you one of Canelo's brothers logging in here? And, and trolling us, dude, come on, man. Back up a little bit with that shit, dude. You're, you're coming off like a Canelo apologist. And, and le- listen, again, I've defended Canelo when he deserved it. People jumped down his throat after the Clembuterol thing last year before all the evidence was out. And I took a lot of shit because I was one of the few people in media that said, hey, everyone slow down. Let's wait until the investigation is finished before we really look at what happened. And then once the investigation was finished, I, I reported accordingly. Boom, right here behind me. That's the story, the exclusive story I wrote for Ring Magazine. Right there behind me on the wall. <laughs> How about that? But everyone else was jumping down the man's throat and beating up on him, right? I've also gone on record to, the de- to my detriment, because a lot of my followers are Triple G lovers, saying that that second fight was close and could have went either way. A lot of people unsubscribed to me just for saying the second fight, the rematch was close. It could have went either way. I thought Golovkin edged it. Maybe could have been a draw. But you can make a legitimate case for Canelo winning that second fight. He clearly lost the first fight, though. So, dude, all I'm saying is you got to play fair, man. And you got to be even and consistent on these things. Nobody deserves a damn franchise champion bullshit. A good point was brought up to me recently about Canelo. You know, it's, it's way too soon to call him an all-time great or anything like that. But people are already starting to say, is he in the discussion? If he, if he beats Kovalev, is he one of the best Mexican fighters ever? Guys, I want you to think back to any of Canelo's biggest wins, best wins. Whether A lot of people feel he lost to Lara. I thought he beat Lara. A lot of people feel that he clearly lost to Golovkin twice. I think he may, you could make a case he beat Golovkin in that second fight. But what, which one of Canelo's big wins... Other than Daniel Jacobs, which I, you know, Daniel Jacobs, good fighter, quality fighter and everything. But which one of Canelo's wins over a top elite fighter in their prime at their best weight did he dominate? The answer is zero. Zero. None. They've all been close, competitive, and could have won either way. Except, again, I bring up the Daniel Jacobs fight. But Jacobs had already been softened up by Golovkin. So, uh... And look, Golovkin's fight with Jacobs was very close, but Golovkin dropped him. So, dude, I'm just telling you, um, Cody says, I don't know how this narrative of 160 Andre being more dangerous than a 175 Kovalev. Styles make fights, Cody. I'm not going to spend much more time on this subject with you, dude, because there's other people asking questions. But it's styles make fights. Look at Andre's style. Dude, Andre is probably longer arm length-wise than Kovalev and gets way more length and extension on his jab and his punches from a southpaw stance, and he's a switch hitter, than Kovalev. Kovalev's a mid-range fighter who does not like to fight on the inside. That's why Golden Boy and Canelo are looking at him right now because all they're going to do is crack to his body. And if Canelo could take his power and get inside of his power... 
then he can just beat his ass to the body. And I think Canelo could actually stop Kovalev in that fight. But, dude, Andre's style is all wrong for Canelo. Just Billy Joe Saunders, his style would pose a lot of problems for Canelo. Okay? So, uh, think of Andre as a more prime, faster, more athletic version of Daniel Jacobs. And that's what you got right there. Okay? Especially at this stage. So, yeah, dude. I think that Andre's a better challenge for him. And I say all that. I say Andre hasn't proven shit. I'm just talking in terms of styles. In terms of who deserves a big fight more. Kovalev clearly deserves a big fight more. I'd be interested in the fight. Do I want to see it? No, I want to see shit cleaned up at 160 pounds. That's what I want to see. He wants to go up and do these one-offs and pull the Mikey Garcia businessman shit and let all the guys at 160 or 168 all beat the shit out of each other and then he'll come back down and take a pick of which one he wants to, to pluck. He wants to pull the Floyd Mayweather move. Well, I don't like that shit and I've been consistent about it throughout my reporting career, all right? Kevin Frey says, Billy Joe Saunders is a footnote at this point. I tend to agree, brother. Billy Joe Saunders, tremendous potential, but hasn't done a damn thing in the ring. And let me say this much. Demetrius Andre, who I'm very, very critical of, has proven a hell of a lot more at this stage than Billy Joe Saunders. And, you know, that's going to trigger some people, but it's the truth, man. At, At least Andre has fought people with a pulse in the last 12 months. Frey says, Andre makes some ugly matchups, though. He sure does. It is not going to be easy to look good against him. Two, three years ago, I think Golovkin would have tore his ass up. Uh, But now, dude, that's a toss-up fight, Golovkin and Andre. A toss-up fight. Uh, I I favor Golovkin to beat him. I favor Canelo to beat him. But it's going to be hard and competitive. Just like their fights with Daniel Jacobs were close and competitive. And Andre's younger than Jacobs. He's undefeated. He's never been stopped. Jacobs, you know, in the back of his mind, still remembers being stopped at one time years ago, right? So um, all that plays a factor, guys. All that plays a factor. And I think Andre's better at switch hitting than Jacobs and better from the southpaw stance than Jacobs. Jacobs is better, obviously, from the orthodox stance. Anyway, quick preview. Then we'll get back to some questions in chat here. All right, Saturday, August 10th. Uh, we have a few different fights going on here. Julio Cesar Chavez making his ring return. I think it's been like over two years since he's been in the ring. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, Chavez Jr. is coming back. He's fighting. Who gives a shit? Uh, Jose Uzcategui is also on this card. Now, I'm actually interested in that. But right now, he has no opponent. His opponent is still TBA, as far as I know. And uh, they're headlining a card in Elisco, Mexico. There's no TV as far as I know for that. I think there'll be TV down there, obviously. But here in the States, no TV. Maybe you can find a stream. At the Liquor Center in Philadelphia on ESPN+, Top Rank is working with three other promoters. Three other promoters. So there's four promoters working together on this card. I love to see that. Love to see that. Unfortunately, the headliner was going to be Carl Frampton. He's out. Freak hand injury. Somebody at a hotel dropped something on his hand and broke it. So that's crazy. The week of the fight. Literally, you can't write this shit. 
So he's out. Jason Sosa is going up against Haskell Liddell Rhodes. Uh, Sosa is out of Camden, New Jersey, not that far from Philly. So he's going to bring some fans. And Rhodes trains at Floyd Mayweather's gym in Vegas, I do believe, former MMA fighter. This is a 130-pound fight, 10 rounds. It's set up for Jason Sosa to win. I think Sosa should win if he has anything left. That's what we should see. But just in terms of styles, these guys will make for some action. And the pro debut of Cuban gold medalist in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics, Rob C. Ramirez. A lot of people are excited about this kid. I know they're real excited about him at top rank. Top rank doesn't have the best track record with picking up Cuban amateur standouts in recent years. Of course, it was, it was a disaster with Guillermo Rigondeau. But apparently they've had talks with uh, Ramirez and explained the situation about, hey, man, you're going pro. You got to be exciting. It's a different style. You can't just touch a dude and run and score points and win fights that way. It's about market value. And if you want to create market value, you got to be really, really exciting on top of skillful. So they've had the talk with them. And according to the folks at top rank, this kid, Robsy Ramirez, is the antithesis of Guillermo Rigondeau. All that being said, Rigondeau was pretty exciting in his last fight. I guess because he's getting old and can't move like he used to. But Ramirez apparently is going to go for it and try to be exciting. We shall see. Also, uh, Philly heavyweight prospect Sonny Conto, Italian-American heavyweight, six foot four. He's 3-0, 23 years old. I've been keeping an eye on this kid for a while for several reasons. And uh, we want to see what he does. So um, that is in Philly. Now we go down to Texas to Grand Prairie, Texas, which I believe is a suburb of Dallas. And we have a Golden Boy Promotions card on DAZN. And the main event in Comain, I will be covering for Ring TV. So guys, uh, check out right after those fights. I'll do a quick recap and post them to Ring TV site. So if you want to get a recap on the fights, check out my articles that will be posted that night on the Ring TV site. But Virgil Ortiz Jr., who is one of the best prospects in boxing, right behind me, boom, right there behind me on the wall is a piece I wrote about him in Ring Magazine a couple months back. Uh, Really cool kid, really funny, smart, um, just fun to talk to, good guy. By the way, Kevin Frey says, like button smash. Thank you, brother. All you get on it. Jab the like button. Give it a straight right hand. Give it an uppercut. Give it a 45. Give it a damn headbutt. I don't give a shit. Give it a little blow. Just hit the damn like button. All right, Grand Prairie, Texas. We'll talk about Virgil Ortiz Jr. versus Antonio Orozco in a second. Let's talk about the co-main. Uh, Joshua Franco out of San Antonio, 23 years old. He's going to bring fans there, no doubt. San Antonio, I think, is what, three-hour drive from Dallas, something like that. Going up against Oscar Negrete of Colombia, who now fights out of the Los Angeles area, 32 years old. So you got 23 and 32 fighting. This is a rubber match, a rubber match of sorts for these two. Bantamweights. First bout they had was a split draw. Second fight, split decision, right? That went uh, Franco's way. So now they're doing it a third time. And uh, these guys have had entertaining fights. We'll see what happens here. Generally speaking, in matchups like this, the younger guy can make more adjustments and should win wider here. I think Franco should win a wide decision, eight rounds to four, something like that. It's really on the grit day. How much has he aged? How much has... Look, he had these two fights, which has taken some punches, and then he moved up in weight, I think, to 122 and fought Ray Vargas and took a lot of heat in that fight, right? Took a lot of punishment. So 
Uh, how much has all this aged him? We shall find out. And I will do a recap right after the fight on Ring TV, so look for that. In the main event, Virgil Ortiz Jr. going up against Antonio Orozco. And Virgil Ortiz Jr. is 13-0 with 13 knockouts. Is he going to keep the knockout streak going? I don't know. I know it's really on Orozco. Orozco has been very inconsistent, right? This is at 140 pounds. And Orozco had a couple years there where people were really looking at him as a prospect, including myself. I, I was ringside for several of his fights coming up, working his way up the ladder. And I was like, man, this dude's going to challenge for a title soon, for real. And then he started having weight issues, issues in camp, issues in his personal life, training was inconsistent, all those things. And um, kind of just fell off. But then he had a good fight against Jose Ramirez earlier this year, which he took a lot of punishment in that fight. I think he was dropped in that fight. He was cut in that fight. But he fought bravely and he showed determination and will that he wanted to be there, right? And he wanted to, uh, to prove himself. So if that Antonio Orozco shows up for this fight and he makes weight easily and he fights hard, this is going to be a huge test for Virgil Ortiz Jr. I love this matchup. Love it. Don't like it. Love it. I think this is going to be an outstanding fight. And it's going to be interesting to see. Look, if this thing goes the distance and Orozco, or I'm sorry, uh, I, obviously I favor Ortiz to win, right? If it goes the distance and Ortiz wins on the cards, maybe that will let some of his fans down a little bit. Maybe because all of his hometown fans are going to be there. This is his first fight in his hometown since way, way earlier in his career, I think. And um, he's fought, I think, in the Dallas area. But I don't know if it was in Grand Prairie specifically like this fight. But if it goes the distance, some fans might be a little you know, uh, disappointed. But that's what he needs he needs rounds. And Orozco might be the perfect matchmaking for him at this point. Tiafimo Lopez just went to distance, right? And a lot of people were disappointed, including himself. He hated his performance. I don't think we're going to see that kind of performance from Ortiz. I think he's going to look really good. But he's going to have moments where he's going to get touched. And he's going to have to show people something. I hope... If, if I'm Golden Boy Promotions, one of their matchmakers, and I'm on Team Ortiz, my hope is that this at least goes to the late rounds. The best thing that could happen is if it goes to the 10th, 11th round, and Ortiz scores a stoppage there. He gets in rounds. He gets in footage that he can look at later, lessons that he can learn from if he takes some punches and has to show us something. That being said, if he blows out Orozco in three or four rounds, no one's done that. Jose Carlos Ramirez, who just unified titles against Maurice Hooker, he didn't do that, right? He's a unified titleist. So if Orozco does something like that, if he blows, I'm sorry, if Ortiz blows Orozco out of the the water, right? That's a huge statement. And that's going to get people looking at him in a different way. For my money, this goes rounds. I think this goes at least into the late rounds. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the distance. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Ortiz scores a late TKO stoppage. And again, I'll be uh, doing a quick recap on the Ring TV site. I'll be you know, covering these, those two fights, uh, Deadline Writer for Ring TV. So make sure you check that out, guys. All right, that's it for this week, man. We can get to some more questions as I sip my beer here. Get a few more questions in, guys, and then I'm going to drop off and go take some aspirin because my head's pounding me. <clears throat> oh, shit. 
Bprob KR is asking Cody if he's related to Mauricio Suleiman. <laughs> Cody, you earned that one, man, because, uh, dude, you're just doing way too much defending for Canelo right now in the WBC. Oh, man. You guys are just arguing about Canelo. Well, you know, that's what star fighters do. They make fans argue. Uh, that's just, you know, that's part of the fun of boxing. As long as we can keep it civil, go ahead and argue in the comments section. Uh, Brad DW54 asks, do I still like Teofimo over Kome? Good question, bro. Really good question. You know what? It's hard to judge Lopez off of just one performance. And that last performance, he was fighting a really tall, really awkward guy. So uh, I still I still think Teofimo Lopez is a little further along. And I want to see how Haney looks on September 13th. What's missing from Haney right now, what he doesn't seem to have quite as much as Lopez, is the explosiveness. And some of you guys will be like, well, what the hell, man? If Lopez didn't look explosive in his last fight, again, I do think he took his last opponent a little lightly. And I think just in terms of the style, that dude was like six feet tall. He was punching way up at somebody. Most of the opponents he faces around that weight class are not going to be that tall. So right now, I st- I'm still a little higher on Teofimo Lopez. I just think there's a little more upside there. But Haney might be one of those guys that develops slower, right? You have some fighters that just explode on the scene, and they look really, really great, but their, their peak is very short. And then you have guys who develop slower, and their peak is much longer. Haney might be one of those guys. Haney might be one of those guys that maybe it takes him a little while longer to, to catch his stride, his real, true, prime, his stride. But once he does, he's going to ride that for years. That's kind of the potential I see in Haney. But right now, I, I shade Lopez. I shade Lopez. Jose asked, Mike, what's the scoop? You're going to be in L.A. for Spence Porter. I will know... I will know in two weeks. I should know for sure in two weeks if I'm going to Los Angeles to cover uh, Errol Spence versus Sean Porter ringside. I got a couple different possible gigs that weekend. A few different possible gigs that weekend. Uh, So I don't know, man. Um, If I don't cover that one, I might stay here in Atlanta and actually do some announcing work for an amateur tournament here, a master's tournament here in Atlanta. I got a few different gigs, possibly that weekend. I will definitely be working. Oh, a $20 super chat from Sabby MD. Thank you so much. Slow clap. Slow clap for you, Sabby MD. He says, yo, Mike, saying what's up from the Sun City. Just wanted to say thanks for all your positive sentiments on Monday in the wake of the tragedies in El Paso and Dayton. Keeping the focus on the people, not the politics. God bless. So, so right. Um, That's where we need to keep the focus. And you know what, guys? Uh, I haven't been on Twitter a whole lot this week. I started tweeting a little bit more today, including from the dentist chair as I was getting drilled. (laughs) My my tooth was literally getting drilled out. Uh, But, man, it has just been so damn negative. It's been so damn negative online this week. And on both sides, because people jump to whatever political persuasion they are. They jump to their side and go to their talking points and they argue over these. And we should be clear. The one dude in El Paso, the idiot who shot a bunch of innocent people down there, he was on one side of the political fence. And the idiot in Ohio, he was on the other side of the political fence. So obviously this is a nonpartisan issue. People from all walks of life 
are doing this crazy shit, man. And there's just these fringe elements of society, these angry young men. And it's a very complicated mess. And it's not going to be solved by pointing fingers at each other and bitching and trying to blame everybody else. We really need to try to dig to the, to the bottom of these problems. But what I can't believe is that all these politicians, all these people on Twitter, on Facebook are just being so vile and mean and hateful with all their tweets and their messages. And it's like, dude, there are dozens of families who, whose lives, obviously dozens of people's lives ended, but dozens of families, literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of people it's touching just through extended family, whose families have been tragically, tragically, I'm not going to say ruined, but tragically touched for the rest of their lives. They, they're dealing with this shit. And people are fighting back and forth over the, the politics, man. I just, people are crazy online, man. So anyway, MD, thank you very much for the super chat. And, uh, you know, prayers to everybody down there. Um, thoughts, prayers, all of that. It's, it's really just, it's just sad. There's really no other word for it. It's just sad. I got to worry now if me and Tiff go to Lowe's, to buy some shit. You guys know I'm renovating a house. I got to worry if some whack job is going to walk in there and want to shoot us. What the fuck? As I take another sip of my beer. Ah, oh, man. Savvy MD also says, thank you for all the informative and entertaining content you provide each week. Wish you the best as you move forward and continue to grow. Man, thank you so much, bro. Thank you very, very much. I really, really appreciate that. And by the way, guys, I finally posted that video about the... Um, Clean boxing program. I'm sorry it took a few days to get that up. Make sure you check that out. That's on the channel where I talk. Just I just try to explore the numbers behind the WBC clean boxing program and how underfunded it is. And I don't say that to beat up on the WBC. I say it to show just how big the problem is. It's a huge issue that needs attention collectively from the entire boxing community. That's the only way we're going to get the budget necessary to make sure everyone's fighting clean. Uh, let's see. Hamed92 asks, thoughts on J-Rock exposing the clean boxing program after Gabriel Montoya questioned him over doing 360 VADA testing. I don't quite know what you're referring to there, Hamed. I didn't even know Gabriel Montoya is still on Twitter. I didn't know he still is a, a factor. Not to say that in a negative way. I just didn't, I haven't, I didn't know, is he still writing for anybody or doing anything in the boxing community? As far as I know, he kind of left and he's just doing plays and stuff in San Francisco. As far as J-Rock, uh, if he was talking about his timing, the clean boxing program, maybe he, maybe Montoya was asking him, how many times have you been tested in that program versus the testing you did for the Jarrett Hurd fight? So uh, Hamed's saying, J-Rock said CBP only tested him three times. Yeah, and look, guys, I've been saying that for the last two years. You're right. So, so uh, Hamed, watch the video I did on CBP the other day for more insight. Why guys are not being tested a lot. So in those three times he was tested by CBP was probably right before a fight. He was tested dozens of times for the fight with Hurd. Uh, both of those fighters, I should say, together were tested dozens of times because they signed up for VADA testing. Enrolling in VADA testing is a completely different thing than enrolling in the WBC clean boxing program. It's two different entities. Watch my video, bro. But yeah, guys, I've been saying this for years. 
I ain't gonna let somebody else take credit for it. I've been saying it for years. That's what most, 95% of the people in the clean box, the fighters in the clean boxing program are not being tested, not being tested. And again, it's through no fault of VADA or the BC. The funding just isn't there. I think you guys underestimate how expensive and how complex of a process just going to collect a sample is and then getting that sample to the lab and then doing the lab work. Uh, people just think, oh, you, you take a sample and you go to the lab. It's easy. No, there's a whole process to get that sample there. And it's the World Boxing Council. That means there's fighters all over the world that are enrolled in their program. So think of it this way. Just think of it. One program is a WBC program. VADA does the testing. Well, VADA, I shouldn't say they don't do the testing. They do the sample collection and they report the test results. They, the whole process, they, they run it. But it's a WBC program. And then there's a VADA testing program. Two different things. So what J-Rock and Hurd are doing, and they're doing it again for their rematch, that's a VADA testing program. Very different than the WBC program. Completely different. And um, a lot, there's a lot of misconceptions. And a lot of people mix those two together. They, they conflate those two programs together. So, all right, guys, I'm going to get one more question, and then I'm going to jump off here. Uh, let's see. Get, get another question here, guys. All right, here. Andres, oh, Anders. Anders has one. Hey, Michael, can you mention your favorite current fighters that people don't know about? I'm talking about fighters who hasn't been promoted equally to what their talent deserves. Hmm. I'd have to think about that one for a while, man. I have to think about that one. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to give another shout out to my boy, Levante Early out of Charlotte, North Carolina. 9-0, 140-pounder. I think that he's got a lot of potential. Talented kid, smart kid, super freaking smart, and gets it just in terms of boxing. Um, that needs some exposure. And I'm going to work on trying to get that kid some exposure. Look it up, guys. Look him up. Levante, L-A-V-O-N-T-E, Early, E A. R-L-Y, I can't spell right now. Look him up. Look up his record. Check out his Instagram. Him and his trader, Adam. Check them out on Instagram. They need more follows because they're good guys. Uh, all right, so that's it for tonight, guys. Um, slow week, slow week, but uh, it's going to pick up very, very soon. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Remember to smash the like button, spread the word, and I'll see you at the fights. <laughs>